You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Good morning, Common Ground. It's uh, great to be with you today and to have the privilege of preaching this morning. You know, uh, this is really quite weird. I'm almost 67 years old. It's a very, it's a first for me, and I guess we never are too old to learn. Uh, I appreciate uh, that Nick mentioned me in his prayer time. Uh, I did have a cataract surgery just days following uh, the last time I preached, and and uh, one of my eyes has not turned out the way it was supposed to, and I'm having a hard time. Reading, I, uh, Don makes fun of me because I had t- anticipated I wouldn't have to be wearing glasses anymore. And now I think since uh, my surgery, I've bought about 12 pair of reading glasses uh, for my shop and for every place I can imagine I'm going to be sitting at in the house. I don't know if any of you remember the Facebook group uh, commercial that made its debut during the Super Bowl, which seems like a long time ago now, but using the theme Ready to Rock in a rock music background, it showed pictures of people skipping rocks, climbing rocks, shooting rockets, rocking on rocking chairs, and it ended with Chris Rock on the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and then he was soon joined, and finally joined, by the person who really belonged on those steps, and that was Sylvester Rocky Stallone. This would be a great, I can think of all kinds of things I'd like to participate with you as a congregation. Uh, one of the things would be just to think for a bit about all the people we know that either have the name Rock or the nickname Rocky or Rock. Uh, I remember Rock Hudson, the, the actor, football player and coach, Newt Rockney. He's also the baseball player, uh, Tim Raines. Uh, Ray, if you were here, I'd ask you about this one. Who was the Canadian hockey player that was named The Rock? It was Larry Zydell. And we know Dwayne Johnson by his wrestling name, Rock. Well, today we hear from another person who shares this name. He wasn't an actor. He was not an athlete. But he was a fisherman named Simon. Let's pray first. Lord, now I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Listen to this conversation found in Matthew 16, 15 through 18. Jesus just asked his disciples about what the rumor mills were saying about him. And then he turns the questions on them and says, But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which translates into the word rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And we're eventually going to get to our scripture reading for this morning, but just to give you a spoiler alert, Peter, who is given this name, Rock, refers to the same Jesus in, in the letter he writes as the Rock, the living stone. 
And I wonder if while he's writing this letter, he's thinking about that day when Jesus gave him that name. Well, the day of scripture, as we'll soon find out, is full of all kinds of great things that we could talk about. But we can't do it all, so we're going to pick one theme that I think covers most of it. And that is the theme of picking rocks. Now, if we ask some uh, congregational participation, I'd ask you about times that you can think of, or instances you can think of picking rocks. Don and I have done a lot of landscaping uh, around our our townhouse that we bought almost 10 years ago now. and, And I can assure you that I've never lived in a place that has so many rocks in the soil that I've had to pick out. My grandparents and my uncles and aunts who who farmed in southwest North Dakota uh, told stories as I was growing up about picking rocks out of the fields as they plowed and they cultivated. And if you would take a tour around southwest North Dakota, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you did, you'd find many fields that have large piles of granite boulders stacked up in the corners because of the generations of rock picking. Children, even adults, get on a shoreline and what do they do? They feel the need to pick the very best rocks. And then of all things, they throw those rocks away in the water, hoping for a winning number of skips. Rock hounds pick rocks for their collections. Serious rock hounds choose some pretty interesting places and challenges to pick their rocks. And not so serious rock hounds pick through other rock, pick, pick through rocks in other people's landscaping. The Bible abounds in stories of picking rocks. And again, I would ask you, uh, for your memories of, of those stories. For example, when the Israelites passed through the Jordan River, as they made their way finally into the promised land, God tells the people that a man from each tribe needs to pick a boulder from the bottom of the Jordan River as they pass through and then take them and stack them, building a memorial to remind them of what happened. David, the shepherd boy, picked up five small stones to get ready for battle with Goliath. People of the Old Testament picked rocks to stack into altars and they picked rocks in preparation for stoning certain lawbreakers. We think of the scribes and the Pharisees who picked up rocks ready to stone the woman caught in adultery. And we remember the religious leaders who picked up rocks to stone Stephen, the first recorded Christian martyr. And now we get to our scripture reading and we hear from Peter the rock having his own conversation about picking rocks. This is 1 Peter, the second chapter in the first 12 verses. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and slander of every kind, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which wars against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. In his discussion on picking rocks, Peter says, we are to choose Jesus Christ, the living stone. But he also cautions us about picking the wrong rocks. Now when Stephen was, or Stephen, was stoned, he was killed by the impact of large, hard, and jagged rocks. But it was actually what lay behind that rock throwing that propelled those rocks forward. Rage and jealousy, guilt and hate and self-righteousness. You and I may no longer stone people to death, but we're still guilty of picking up stones, picking through our arsenal of rocks to harm other people. Peter names some of those rocks in the first verse of our second chapter. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. In the New Living Translation, we read, Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Most of you know I'm a retired Methodist preacher, and I wouldn't be worth my Methodist salt if I didn't mention Methodism this morning. And so I wanted to share with you about a little book. This is written by a former United Methodist Bishop, Reuben Job. He actually grew up in the Dakotas. This little book is called Three Simple Rules, A Wesleyan Way of Living. The book centers on three simple rules that John Wesley expected the Methodists of the 18th century to follow. Those rules were do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. The book makes clear, John Wesley would make it clear that none of these rules we're supposed to be passive. Now we may think that through non-involvement or self-insulation, we're doing no harm. When we stand by and do nothing while harm is being done to others and while others are finding themselves in very harmful conditions, we fall short as followers of Christ. 
There are rocks of indifference and apathy and non-participation that can be just as destructive as rocks that we throw. Now that's an interesting thing to even talk about during this time when we're supposed to practice self-isolation. And we need to find ways in which we can still bring life and health to others even though we find ourselves separated. We pick rocks that harden us toward other people. And we also pick rocks that we build up in our hearts that harden us in our relationship with God, making us hard-hearted and non-responsive to God's word and his work. Peter writes in verse 11, Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. We need to be careful. The rocks that we pick up to do harm to ourselves and other people in our relationship with God, these rocks that we pick up, these are the rocks that we're laying as a foundation to our life. These are the rocks that we are laying on the path that we call life. This is not good. And so, I think a good spiritual practice for us would be to take time out once in a while and think about our rock collection. What kind of rocks have we allowed to accumulate inside of us? However, before we go too far in picking through our rocks, I want us also to be cautious. While we were living in Grand Forks, we uh, spent an afternoon at Turtle River State Park, which is west of Grand Forks, and our son Dustin, who was a young boy at that time, but now he's uh, actually turning 40 at the end of this month, he was uh, wading in a small creek, catching frogs and, and little fish, and he sliced his foot on a broken bottle. The cut was huge. It was large and deep, and a, a huge uh, wedge of flesh was hanging from the bottom of his foot. It was horrible. We took, we took a fast rush to the emergency room, which we happened to do a lot with our son, and while we were there, the doctor informed us, as we figured, he did, that we need stitches. But before he could even begin to stitch his foot back up, he needed to clean his foot. So with a magnifier in front of his eyes and with a tweezers and a little irrigator thing, the doctor laboriously picked little rocks from inside Dustin's foot. The task was so tedious It took so much time that the doctor finally gave up and turned the the laborious task over to another doctor. Now we will end up frustrated and unsuccessful and guilt-ridden if we try in our own strength and in our own energy to pick out the unhealthy and harmful rocks that we have allowed to build up inside of us. And we, should, we know better. We know we can't save ourselves. Peter would concur, and he says that our focus in rock picking must first and foremost begin with Jesus Christ, the living stone. He says in verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone 
rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. It is Jesus, the living stone who came to deal with the rocks in our lives. Only Jesus, the great physician, the one by whose stripes we are healed, can look inside of us and see the harmful rocks, can remove them, and then fill the holes that are left behind. It is Jesus that turns us from being casters of stones that bring death into life-filled, life-giving stones, just like himself. Continuing with verse 5, he says, You also, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Jewish people referred often to God as a rock. And if you look through through the Old Testament, especially the Psalms and the Prophets, you'd see all kinds of verses. In fact, if you want something to do this week, do a word search on the word rock in the Old Testament. The people also had a tendency to abandon God, their rock. One of the verses that we read is in Deuteronomy 32, and it says, You abandoned the God who made you and rejected the rock, your Savior. And this is what Peter is thinking about as he writes this. He is aware that many of his own Jewish people had missed seeing God, their rock, when Jesus came to visit them. Many missed salvation through the rock as they continued to deal with their own rocks on their own. Many missed the rock as they continued to look for a rock that would solidify what they already believed. Many people missed the rock because they were looking for a flashier rock. A rock that was bigger and better and more intimidating, more powerful. And so they rejected Jesus. Sadly, they turned away from the one who is indeed God the rock the cornerstone of a new kingdom. Their inability to see and believe the truth became a stumbling block to them, as Peter says. And Peter doesn't want the same thing to happen to the people that he loves who now know Jesus. Then Peter shares these incredible benefits of choosing the rock. Verses 9 and 10. Just listen to this. I can still remember the first time I read these verses as a college student. I was so excited. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's a rock so valuable, so precious, it's worth giving up everything else in order to have it. You might remember the parable that Jesus told about the kingdom that he had come to bring. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid 
Could we maybe say a precious rock hidden in a field? And then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has in order to buy that field. Jesus Christ is the rock, the living stone, the cornerstone of a whole new world. Amen. I'd like us to close with a prayer that uh, comes from Psalms 61 and 62, in which there's, there's quite a bit of this rock language. So let's pray together. Almighty and loving God, for you alone our souls wait in silence, for our hope is from you. You alone are our rock and our salvation. With you as our fortress, we cannot be shaken. You are a mighty rock. Our refuge is in you. Forgive us for so often going after the wrong rocks. We depend on you through your spirit to lead us to that rock, which is higher than us. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the rock, the living stone. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.